This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, Golden Globes last night, um, and uh, our headline is, it looks like uh, Kylie Jenner may have thrown some shade at uh, Selena Gomez, and, th- and then Selena, and we know this from the Whisper Cam. Threw it right back, <laughs> Selena <laughs> ran over the Whisper Cam. Yes, Selena, at one point during the Golden Globes, uh, was seen on the fan cam that they had going around the room, Running over, talking, whispering something to Taylor. Um, and Taylor looks shocked. And then you see a shocked look on Taylor's face, uh, as well as the face of Miles Teller's uh, wife, Kelly. So the three of them are talking, and watch the reaction. They definitely say Timothy. Now, we don't know exactly what Selena said to them, but here's the dots that have been connected here. That's, uh, that's Miles Teller's wife, Kelly. Yeah. So um, the dots are these. That Selena Gomez and Kylie Jenner have had beef for a long time. They've had beef over Justin Bieber. They've had beef over their eyebrows. cosmetics line. Yeah, remember the eyebrows? So no love lost there. The, the buzz going around online, and I think there's something to this, is that uh, Selena wanted to take a picture with Timothy, with Timothy Chalamet, Selena, uh, Kylie's boyfriend, <laughs> who she has history with, and Kylie supposedly said, uh-uh, you ain't taking no picture. Now. Yeah, so that's essentially the speculation here. People are trying to read um, Selena's lips there, and what they think they see her say is, I asked for a picture with him, she said no, and then Kaylee or Kelly, whatever her name is, she says, Timothy? And Selena then emphatically nods yes, and you can see Taylor Swift just eating up all the gossip. It's a very girly, gossipy type of moment. Oh, God. <laughs> that, I'm just going to say that second clip that The Hollywood Reporter has, if you yeah. listen to the audio of that, which people can do on our website, you, you hear can Kelly hear say, Kaylee say yeah. Timothy. At least I hear that clear as day. Now, here's the, here's the newest news, I guess. People in Selena's camp are kind of coming out in reports now saying, no, it's not true. She didn't say anything about Kylie or Timothy. But I'm Timothy's calling BS name is on mentioned. it. I'm not believing it. I think, it, I mean, I think it's exactly always, what people think it is. Yeah. And I think this feud that Harvey just referenced is still alive and still fresh, despite the fact that they're publicly always trying to distance. Like, oh, no, we love each other. I think it's BS. I think that they do not like each other one bit, and it's still alive today. I think you're right. And and the, the other thing is, I don't. I, listen, she has history with Timothy. Selena does. They, right, they, they worked together. together. She actually helped him launch his career. Uh, so, yeah, she wanted to take a picture. So here's the quick question I have for you guys. If if this did, in fact, occur where Selena came over, asked for a photo, Kylie said no, how do you think that actually played out? Because if in my mind, there's no way Kylie said no in front of Timothy. And if she did, he just kind of stood by. Can I suggest He's a beta, and that's wild to me. I don't think that was the case. I think if she, <laughs> if this did, in fact, occur, yeah. it must have been either her and Kylie by themselves or her and Timothy by, you know what I mean? Like it must've been, it wasn't all three of them together. You know, that that doesn't make much sense. I love that he called it the beta. beta. Wow. (laughs) You know what I mean? But really, if if Kylie's like, no, no photos, and what, Timothy's just like, uh, yeah, whatever she says, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless he's that kind of guy, I don't know. And I also, I'm suspicious of the fact that if Selena Gomez walks over to those two, 
somebody is catching it on camera, uh, someone is shooting video, there's, and why is there no photo of that moment? Somebody would have caught that in that ballroom if those three came together, would have taken the photo. Some, something now, that doesn't mean that I do believe that Selena said something about Timothy to Kaylee and Taylor. Why is she so shocked? Yeah. That's the thing. What, oh, Timothy's wearing a tuxedo. You don't get a shocked reaction from that. Oh, it could be, did you see what she was wearing? Who, who's she? Okay. She let, who's sitting with Timothy? Let, 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 come on. Let's move on to uh, Taylor Swift. because Who genuinely was Ta Taylor Swift peeved. actually lost. Um, which was a huge deal because hasn't she, happened in a long time. She doesn't lose much, but she lost uh, to Barbie. Yes, in um, the cinematic achievement. This is a new category they had this year for cinematic uh, achievement in film. So we're going to get into and, what happened after the loss. But before we get into the loss, let's get into the monologue. Right, because uh, it, actually it wasn't in the monologue. It was later on in the show. Right, right, right. Uh, coming back from commercial, the host Joe Coy uh, made. I thought was a very harmless joke, kind of at Taylor's expense, more, but more at the NFL's expense. It's just a Here's joke. Here's what he said, but watch her. I know it's just a joke. You tell me if you think Taylor thought it was a joke. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear, there's just more to go to here. Did not seem happy. I gotta say. I mean, I was waiting for her to smile and be like, ah, oh. she didn't. She does not seem happy with that. It seems like a harmless so joke. So we should also point totally out that harmless. that like kind of silent groan from Taylor. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of that, unfortunately, for Joe Coy during his opening monologue. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah. But it was it was bad. I mean, I tried to be nice about it in the write-up, but it was it bombed. It was it not good. It was bad enough that he started making, apologizing, apologizing, saying, "I didn't write all these jokes." That's it when you know me. it's bombing when you apologize right, right on the stage. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so the fact that she was kind of bent out of shape was one thing, and then uh, Taylor, that is, people noticed that after her category was announced and she Barbie won and she lost, disappeared. They did not see her in the ballroom, so people thought, "All right, she." was kind of a sore loser. Some people close to her have said to us, what happened is that after that category, and you could see Taylor stand up and actually congratulate the Barbie people on winning. Um, so a gracious loss at that point. But then she left the ballroom to go to the bathroom and then kind of stayed in the back and watched from there and did leave early, but not until about 15 minutes before it ended. That's what people close to her are saying. So, so um, all in all, um, Wow, this, I mean, gossipy kind of nuts. That it got kind of petty? Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot all, of pettiness. All over the room. <laughs> wow, what a night. What a night for, for Taylor Swift. I mean, it, the one thing must have happened after the other to make her, uh, maybe it threw her off. Maybe it just threw her off a little bit, and that's why she looked the way she did. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to the whole, I think it was an innocent joke. Um, on, on the comedian's part. I mean, after the whole Will Smith thing, I mean, we need to lighten up on, on what jokes Well, that are. joke was just, harmless. Just, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how much more harmless you can get with a joke. By the way, if she's upset, what I'm thinking, and look, I can't read her mind, but what I'm thinking is she's very protective of Travis Kelsey. And if it looks like, it, if she processes it like it's disparaging to the NFL, you know, which it really isn't. And she but doesn't want to see, doesn't want to be on camera 
seeming like that's okay with Exactly. Me. So I get it. Maybe. I get it. Okay, we're going to move on. Yes, uh, to big weekend for Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Who's now a huge star. Absolutely. A week and out of prison and she is a huge star. Everywhere she goes, uh, she is getting lots and lots of attention this weekend. She was on Broadway. Uh, still not, not performing. Not, <laughs> not performing. Not yet, but who knows. Uh, while in New York City, she and her husband Ryan uh, went to hit up the Harry Potter show. And there's, I think there's history with her and Harry Potter. Yeah, you guys. Um, so she has a lot of uh, connections to Harry Potter. So during the time that she was under her mom, Dee Dee's care, um, according to Gypsy, around like second grade or so, her mom actually pulled her from school and was, you know, with the intention of homeschooling her. But Gypsy had claimed that she was never homeschooled, never got an education. However, she did read the Harry Potter books, and that ultimately is what helped her learn how to read, according to her. So now, I mean, she's come full circle. She's here seeing the Broadway play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Um, they look oh, that's, super boy, excited. That's, that's just, yeah. that's just ripping with uh, irony there, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure she has, you know, a lot of connections like in her mind, you know, to, to the storyline as well. Obviously Harry Potter was banished to his closet. She's always talked about how she kind of felt like she was like a Rapunzel type character kind of like confined to her own space. Um, but now she's free and as we've seen, she's gone to McDonald's, Burger King, she's on social media, she she's all over the place doing all the things and even has the new iPhone. So she's Hey Charlie, she's I got really a I, I, I got a question for you. <laughs> okay. If you were in her shoes and you were in behind bars for like eight or nine years, what would your first fast food restaurant be? Oh, In N Out, duh. Hello, LA native here. Hey, this is Aaron from the Bronx. Uh, in regards to Gypsy Rose, I do want to say um, part of me is cheering her on because I'm also a massive Harry Potter fan and I can only imagine what it's like to be treated like that for the entirety of your life under, you know, you see God in the eyes of your parents when you look at them as kids. So the fact that she had to go through that is kind of crazy. But part of me is also scared because we kind of gloss over the fact this girl did manipulate somebody into killing her mom who's currently spending the rest of his life in jail while she's dating this other guy and constantly talking about, I guess, his BDE. <laughs> big, you know yeah, we got, it, yeah. we got it. We got it. We got it. Um, I think I pick in and out, too. I think I do. I think I would. really. Yeah, I think. I, what would you do? Quick. Uh, I'm, I'm, you just got no point of view on anything. I know the stereotype is the angry old man on his porch yelling about these kids. You referring to me? Uh, well, not specifically, <laughs> but yes, you're in the you're in the group. Uh, but Jodie Foster wants in on that uh, because Good on she Jody. is calling out Gen Z. Um, and apparently she's had some encounters with Gen Z on uh, the sets of some of her projects. And during an interview with The Guardian, she said enough is enough and just decided she was going to call them out. And here's why. Uh, she says they're, <laughs> they're really annoying, especially in the workplace. They're like, nah, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to come in at 1030. Uh, or like in emails, I'll tell them this is all grammatically incorrect. Did you not check your spelling? And they're like, why would I do that? Isn't that kind of limiting? <laughs> um, I, I, that almost sounds like a word-for-word word conversation look, I, she I, had with someone. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, look, every generation has a thing. You know, the boomers had a thing about, you know, activism and all. 
um, and they were kind of trashed by the greatest, the greatest generation. generation right. And on and on and on. And this is the rap that Gen Z has. They, it just is the rap. <laughs> you, you're exactly right, but she does have some important insight here. She was a child star. She was in Taxi Driver back in the 70s when she... She was very, very young, and she knows that she uh, comported herself with a certain level of professionalism. She's also from Yale, so the grammar thing maybe makes sense that she uh, likes proper grammar. But, uh. but listen, what this is every generation, as you said, looks at the other generation and says, look, we paved the way, and now you're entitled and soft. And this is just that happening again. And now Jodie Foster's older, and she's uh, sort of you know, shaking her fist on the porch. But I got to tell you, and this is, I'm not sure you I You really want to say this? I think I do. Okay. So... I believe that there is such a thing as work-life balance. I think that's actually a really important thing. Oh, are we thing. going here? No, no, no. I think it's a really important thing, actually, that people have that. To ask about it in an interview, a job interview, to me, is really weird, and it happens a lot with Gen Z. It just does. Yeah, it, uh, it does. Well, well, maybe it's good that Gen Zers are prioritizing a work-life balance. And I think the problem now is that a lot of boomers don't like to be accountable for maybe uh, having bad policies. And it's good that a younger generation is stepping up and saying, you know what? I don't think the workplace should be acting like this. We need to be the change here. So why not enforce it? Guys, let's take solace that in 10 to 15 to 20 years, Jacob will be yelling about the younger generation just like we're yelling about his generation. It's, I mean, it's a tale as old as No, time. I will not be yelling at anyone. I will be embracing the younger generation the same ways that Boomer should be embracing the younger generation now. And honestly, it just sounds like Jodie Foster had like a bad assistant for her to just paint with one stroke this whole notion that Gen Z is lazy. Well, hold on. I want to ask you a question. I don't want to get too personal here. But you're Gen Z, right? Yes. And you and I had an interview back in the day and I was really impressed with you. And you are a hard worker and smart and all that. So, but you would also say he's an outlier, wouldn't you? I mean, look, whether it's 70% of the people are not like Jacob or 80%, I don't know what it is. But it's a lot of people. There's this thing about working hard. There's this thing about, you know, I think oversensitivity on a lot of things that not everybody has, but it's a thing with Gen Z. I mean, do you not see that, Jacob? No, I think you could just pick and part. I could go to boomers in any generation and go, oh, that person's too sensitive. That person doesn't work hard. But I wouldn't say, oh, their whole generation is that way too. It's a gross generalization, and I don't think we should be doing that. This is fun, Harvey. Can you give me a compliment now about how smart and hardworking <laughs> I am? Yeah, you're not, nope. you're not in that generation, so. Sorry. Well, hold on, Derek. Would I have a second chance of doing the interview and making a decision? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Darren Gable here from Kearney, Nebraska. I think that Gen Zers are just lazy, unemotionally mature. They f don't know how to separate their day-to-day -day inconveniences from real-world problems. So I agree with Jodie Foster. Gen Z just f gets on my nerves. <laughs> you got room on that porch? Oh my God. Because <laughs> he wants to sit right next to you and shake his fist. Okay, we're going to move on. Wow. Oh my uh, God. Yes, moving on now to uh, Kanye West <laughs> and the birthday celebration for his wife, Bianca. They were in Vegas. Um, and really, the thing that people were paying attention to was Bianca's outfit. Nakedness. Nakedness. Uh, walking around 
<laughs> the resorts in Vegas. And she looks like she just walked from the pool. She didn't. Um, <laughs> she was wearing the same, or maybe she did at this point. She's wearing stuff. But she was wearing that same outfit at dinner later. Um, so, yes, it's blurred because it is, she's not topless, but as close to topless as you can get. And I mean, this is nothing new though, guys. I mean, she's been dressing like this for quite some time on, on Kanye's Instagram alone. I mean, he's been posting ton of photos of her, you know, dressed like this where you can see her curves and basically saying how obsessed he is with her. But I do have a bone to pick. So that, that casino right there is at the wind, correct? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I recognize it from yes, the carpet. Yes, you recognize the carpet. So I lost my shirt at a pool party <laughs> a few years ago. No, wait, and I was walking metaphorically or No, really no, no. Literally I literally shirt. lost my okay. shirt and right. I was walking back You're to my room and security there threw an absolute fit about me being shirtless in that casino. <laughs> They're totally cool with that, though. That makes Again, no sense to me. You're not Kanye West or Kanye West's wife. And how did you you're lose your shirt as long as rules. we're talking? How did yeah. you lose it? Uh, I, if I knew how I lost involved? it, I'd know where it was. Harvey. Oh, I so they like weren't necessarily that. worried about the shirt. They were worried about the alcohol intake, I'm uh, guessing. By the way, aside from, <laughs> yes, they were definitely worried about <laughs> that with Devin. Aside from her wardrobe, or lack thereof, um, this was interesting that Kanye really gushed about her as a stepmom. Um, as a stepmom. Uh, in his, one of his birthday posts, referred to her as the most amazing stepmom to our children, our children, and said, I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your life with me. So she is the stepmom. Uh, what she I'm is. wondering is how much interaction has she had with the kids? We've because seen her a lot with, with uh, North. North, yes. But I, I, I don't. A little bit with Chicago. There she's holding Chicago. She's so. been with them, yeah. but I, I don't know how much um, because he's been in Italy, he's been in Dubai, they've been you know, Japan. But, but they the haven't been were with him in Dubai for a while and then when they were here as right. well. Right, but not like a lot of contact as far as we know, maybe maybe more than He's impressed with what he's seen. Yeah, good. All right. Well, the fate of an Alaska Airlines flight on Friday has a lot of people terrified about a particular model of airplane, uh, one that Alaska Airlines has actually grounded uh, all of the 737 Max 9s, and there are, and the NTSB has now grounded some of them as well from uh, from other airlines. Uh, a, a few of them, some of them, we don't know exactly what the number is, but there are concerns about this particular plane, as you would imagine, when this flight, which was going from Portland uh, to Ontario, California, when suddenly the and they were 15,000 feet. Part of the plane blows off. Right. And, um, and giant it, hole in the fuselage, depressurization. Now, fortunately, it was at 16,000 square feet, so that's survivable. 16,000 16, feet. feet up right. in the air. So it's survivable, uh, but it and is. And they made a return, a quick return terrifying. to. Terrifying. And on top of this, it turns out that that same plane, they've had three warnings of possible depressurization and. They never grounded the airplanes. What they said was, we're not going to fly to Hawaii because we don't want to be over a body of water if something like that happens. But if they're that concerned about right. that, why are these planes flying at all? So to you, the consumer at home, the question is, look, you can easily say, all right, I'm never getting on a 737 MAX 9 again. This is a very, very popular uh, model of airplane that a lot of uh, airlines use for short hauls. I did use them, States. a lot of airlines use them. Uh, so, what are you, should you be, be really concerned about this particular plane? Joining us to talk about that is a former FAA and NTSB investigator, 
Dr. Alan Deal. He also wrote a book called Air Safety Investigators, Using Science to Save Lives One Crash at a Time. Wow. Thankfully, this was not a crash, but clearly there are concerns. So joining us, uh, Dr. Deal, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you so much for having me. So what is your take on the fact that they had warnings about this, that they um, actually restricted where these planes could fly, and then this happens. They meaning Alaska Airlines. Right. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, a lot of things went right here. And uh, you might, I know we talk about the miracles, <laughs> and uh, you, you have talked about the fact that this plane was only at 16,000 feet, not 32,000 feet. But there's a, an Alaskan angel, whoever she or he was, that said, we need to pull this aircraft uh, off the Hawaiian route and put it on domestic routes because we've had these three pressurization problems. Had this happened over the Pacific, we could have lost many people because if this happened at 30 some thousand feet over on the way to Hawaii, they could not have, it's possible that they would not have been able to get back to land and they'd had to ditch. And this would have been a lot more dramatic at 30-some thousand feet. Why wasn't this plane grounded when they got depressurization warnings? warnings yeah. Why wasn't this plane just simply grounded? One word answer, money. Uh, this is a deregulated world, and uh, somebody at Alaska had to argue, we've got to pull this airplane over the off that dangerous route and put it on a safer route. Now, you, you can argue, well, they should have grounded, grounded it all together, but uh, planes on the ground do not make money. And uh, unfortunately, in a de deregulated world, money drives everything. And you have to count on the F FAA and the uh, NTSB to find out what's wrong and, and fix this problem. But that's the reality, gents. But you look at the history here, and you look at the fatal crash of the 737 MAX a few years ago, and they didn't ground the plane then, and then there was a second one here, You've got all these warning and they signs, did it, but... and but they finally did. Right. But then they fly again. You've got all these warning signs. They don't ground the plane, and then this happens, and then they finally take some action. I got to tell you, I'm personally afraid to fly in a 737 Max because I don't trust it anymore. I, I, I don't know. Am I crazy? Well, <laughs> we learned from these accidents and incidents. You're right. Absolutely, they should have grounded the airplane after the very first MAX problem occurred, and that was in Indonesia. But yeah, the, again, this aircraft, you've got to remember, this is kind of a bridge too far. They kept stretching this jet, and Boeing was trying to contain cost by not doing a thorough analysis. And nowadays, the, frankly, the manufacturers are in charge. They delegate an awful lot of certification and responsibilities. The FAA doesn't have the resources to police this anymore. It's uh, sort of an honor system, and the same thing happens with the operations as well as the design of the aircraft. Wow. Shouldn't we be scared? Look, we've had we've got as the chairwoman said, we've got the safest system in the world. If somebody said, "Hey, Al, come to New York. Uh, it looks like you're going to be on a Max tomorrow. It won't be a, a Max Nine because I guess they're all grounded." But I'd, I'd get on it just because I know the statistics. But yeah, there's there's room for improvement here. But uh, this is not a panic situation. Uh, hopefully, the NTSB will document all this, make recommendations, and the FAA, will ch who runs the system, which runs the system, will mm -hmm. change uh, the rules. So maybe you'll have to ground these aircraft. Now, there's a couple of, I don't want to get into a dissertation here on the door. <laughs> they, 
bolts that hold that door in place, prevent it from sliding upward and therefore popping out. There's 10,000 pounds of pressure on that door when it's at altitude. So we are talking about a very dangerous situation. And yeah, the uh, FAA needs to really look at this certification issue and operational issue. Boy, this is frightening. Yeah, definitely wow. worst case scenario. And I hear what you're saying uh, uh, that it's, you know, the statistics are still very much in your favor that something like this isn't going to happen. But it's got to be in people's minds when they get on board. And thank you be so much for being with us. The least better. Thank you so much. Just keep in mind, uh, you got one chance in 10 million of dying when you board an aircraft. Try to get those odds from your surgeon when he wants to do a... <laughs> I get it, but then when you see stuff like this, I gotta right. tell you, when you see yeah. stuff like this, where they they should have grounded this plane if they're getting all these depressurization warnings. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, I'm sorry, uh, taking a break. All right, when we come back, Jonathan Major's first interview since his guilty verdict. He explains how he felt when he heard the verdict and what was that whole thing about you've gotta be more like Coretta Scott King and Michelle Obama? He's gonna explain. I don't know if it's helping his case, but you'll hear him. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to TMZ Live, and Jonathan Majors is speaking out about his guilty verdict, uh, which I, I found a little odd considering he hasn't been sentenced yet. Hasn't been sentenced yet, and that he, his team at least said that, hinted they were going to appeal this, so why speak out at this point? Um, I, by the way, I'm really surprised too. But he did an interview with ABC News, sat down with Lindsey Davis, and talked about uh, the guilty verdict, his reaction to it. He is insisting he still did absolutely nothing wrong despite some videos. And remember, he was convicted, the charge he was convicted of was the one that was related to him throwing her back into the car. Which is on video, which right Which is there. on video. Yeah. But he still says he did nothing wrong does not understand why it was guilty. Your reaction to that verdict? Shock. Hmm. I, was, uh, I was absolutely shocked. And um, afraid. She says inside the car, you hit her in the face, yeah. twist her arm behind her back, fracture her middle finger. Yeah, that did not happen. How did those injuries come about? I wish to God I knew. That would give clarity. That would give me some type of peace. Hmm. I mean, he didn't say it. He's sort of insinuating. I mean, if he didn't do it, the, hesi saying that the, the hesitation does not serve him well. Right. The hesitation right. does it, not serve him well. Yeah. It, do it doesn't serve him well, but I thought he came across in the interview as re as reasoned, as thoughtful. He clarified the points that he had made about Coretta Stein, uh, about uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you that know. That he wanted a, a girlfriend who was going to be more like Michelle Obama and Coretta Scott King. Right, and uh, he clarified that to say it's not what he meant. He meant to say that he aspired to be great. It's not what he said when he was speaking to his girlfriend right. in that video. But it's, he, he, I, I thought he came off as, as calm and measured. But in Jason, this. He why, why do that 
Then when, why do it at before all? Before sentencing. Should, because that could should. influence the judge. There's, there's, no, there's no excuse for that, except that he is a man who believes that the story on the other side has been the one that has been talked about more, and he felt the need to get it out. But you and I know, Harvey, it's just not something that any lawyer would ever, ever ask you to do. They ever. would always tell you to be quiet until the system runs its court, and then you will have plenty of time to speak your mind after that. That's right. I completely understand where you guys are coming from, but I'm actually glad he went out and spoke. This is the reason why. For one, the mainstream media has been running with their own particular type of narrative about him. So him coming out, clarifying everything, and I do understand it's kind of close to his court date. So why would he speak? Well, we finally hear from him. We hear the remorse in him. He did take accountability for what he did. And as far as like being a bad boyfriend, but he did, he's been remain, you know, he remained innocent since the beginning. I'd rather be a bad boyfriend than to have the label of somebody who's an abuser on my, on my, on my plate. And that's what he did to me. Yeah. The one, what he took accountability for saying that he did want to see someone else and maybe even sort of hinted he was seeing someone else and that he should have just told Grace that he wanted out of the relationship. Right. So. Okay, um, wow, this Taylor next Swift. story is shocking. Yes, Taylor Swift and her camp are Furious. livid, livid. Uh, about an op-ed that ran in the New York Times over the weekend. It was written by an author named Anna Marks who identifies as queer, um, but the, uh, the op-ed was all about speculating that Taylor Swift is actually a member of the LGBTQ community and just isn't saying it. Um, here's a little bit uh, about from the op-ed, says, uh, in isolation, a single dropped hairpin is perhaps meaningless or accidental, but considered together, they're the unfurling of a ballerina bun after a long performance. Uh, those dropped hairpins began to appear in Miss Swift's artistry long before queer identity was undeniably marketable to mainstream America. They suggest to queer people that she is one of us. Well, so they're saying that there are hints in her music and her performances or his so and her songwriting that m leads at least this author so, Anna uh, Marks I, I, to think I, 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 I want to make, make a point here. Right. I am a gay man. I am out. Um, that said, I don't want anybody else like outing people, right. e even if it were true, and I find this whole thing just bizarre, but the concept even if it that were they true. are, even it, if it were true, that she's way, trying to unfurl this. Even more so if it were true. Nuts. <laughs> like, th nuts. That's no reason. I, I saw this over the weekend. I was like, why is what? the New York Times? Why did they do this? I got so it. So Taylor's people uh, saw this op-ed. Obviously, their response is, because of her, Taylor, uh, Taylor's massive success in this moment, there is a Taylor-shaped hole in people's ethics. This article wouldn't have been allowed to be written about Shawn Mendes or any male artist whose sexuality has been questioned by fans. There seems to be no boundary some journalists won't cross when writing about Taylor, regardless of how invasive, untrue, and inappropriate it is, all under the protective veil of an opinion piece. Huh. But again, isn't this the point of an opinion piece? Like, I'm not defending this piece. I personally didn't like it. But at the same time, if your job at the New York Times is to write speculative pieces, share your opinion, don't you want to write something that's provocative and to Charles's point gets people reading? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's undeniable reading. It's without... undeniably true. But at the same time, the New York Times just doesn't publish any opinion that people have. They right. presumably have some process. I got to say, I take issue with 
what Taylor's response, that what the team's what response team's is, responses? to drag somebody else's name into it and make insane. That was yeah. I mean, I think they, they, I think they were going for. I know what they a were. contemporary of Taylor's, who's male. I think they, I think they, 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 they rightly complained about invasiveness and then committed the misdeed itself. Yeah, themselves. I really do. Hey, what's going on? It's DJ Chain, St. Pete, Florida. How's it going? Um, now, the thing is, I'm not sure if Taylor Swift really is, but the thing is, she makes great music for all people, for all groups and for right. all cultures. So I think it just needs to be left at that, it's, period. It's, what was Anna Mark's point? Was she trying to, like, the, that she wanted to claim Taylor as part of her team or something? I don't... It's wacko. What was the it's point? It's wacko to me. Incredible event is starting tomorrow night on Tubi. And uh, this is a special we've been working on for months and months, months now. Uh, and we have gathered some incredible videos of UFOs or UAPs. The special is called TMZ Presents UFO Revolution. It is a three-part event. And I'm not the biggest believer in the whole UFO thing. But well, I but will say these videos... Don't, I, don't mistake UFOs for aliens. Correct. Because correct. you can have a UFO without, without, without saying that to, it's aliens, yes. And, and we have got video you have never seen before, and I defy you to explain it. That's I defy thing. you I to explain, explain it. <laughs> and we have, it is just packed with really interesting, transformative information. So this is a little bit about what you're gonna see, and by the way, this is free on Tubi, a three-night event. You've said that the U.S. has intact spacecraft. You said that the government has alien bodies or alien species. Have you seen the spacecraft? What I personally witnessed myself was very disturbing. It has been since the inception of the UFO problem. Nothing to see here, all of that. All of that has changed. A multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. A genuine disclosure of the UAP UFO subject would be the most earth-shattering thing imaginable. It would be the biggest story in history. The biggest story, period. It was a phenomenon that the government couldn't protect us from. The greatest superpower the Earth has ever known basically admitted there was no way they could defend themselves. I don't trust the U.S. government. And I'm a United States congressman. They told me that I'd kicked a hornet's nest and I needed to get some bodies around me. This information is the most deeply held secrets in the entire government, and that includes the President of the United States. Do not talk about these things or things will not go well for you. This is like the mafia. Have anyone been murdered? I have to be careful asking that question. The attacks on you, is there any moment where you regretted speaking up? You know, I don't, yeah, regret it. It's, you know, I didn't want to live in the matrix when there's stuff like this that's being hidden from the world populace. Past the foot of my bed, there were two gray non-human beings. The aerospace defense companies, these are people who understand how to play high-level chess. Somebody's going to walk out of one of these labs with this information and puts it out on the internet before they commit suicide by shooting themselves in the back of the head five times. The footage was captured 
by our military. It's in Iraq. It was treated with just spectacular secrecy. Just be careful. Don't step on the wrong toes. So I've got a still image of something that I have learned to be called the chandelier UAP. Does that ring a bell to you? It does. Do you think Chuck Schumer would put forward an amendment about UAPs and disclosure, putting the reputation of the entire Senate at risk with the upcoming election. I mean, I don't know how much more one needs. This subject is a problem. It's a problem they can't control. I know for a matter of fact that the UFO topic is considered more important at a higher level of security than weapons of mass destruction. This is potentially world conquering information, technology that can change the course of mankind. A society that has lived a foundational lie for an entire human lifetime. I don't know what gets bigger than that. To keep things secret, people are silent. I don't know how better to say that. When you see this documentary, um, you are gonna understand that there is something going on where the government has tried to create this fear about people speaking out and talking about things they saw. And I'm not just talking about, you know, people living in the mountains who look up in the sky. I'm talking about, about Navy military, pilots. Right. I'm talking about people who work in the Defense Department. I'm talking about people whose lives have been ruined because they would dare to, to do their jobs and speak out. Why? Why has the government done this? Right. And the fact is, the barn doors have now blown open and there really is a UFO revolution. And when you see this, again, this is not to say, oh my God, there are aliens. There are aliens coming, right. It is to say, explain this. And explain why this. The, and why the cover-up. Yeah. So it starts tomorrow. It is a three-night event on Tubi. It's free. Um, and we're really proud of this documentary. Yes. Kelly Clarkson has uh, some rules about parenting, or in her case, co-parenting is the right word to use, mm -hmm. because obviously she and... Uh, Brandon Blackstock have split up now, but they both got to raise their kids. And Kelly has one rule that she says she is not bending on whatsoever until they turn 18, and that is social media. Here's what she had to say. She says, social media can be really hard on kids in general, but especially kids with parents in the public eye. So I have informed them they are not allowed to, under my roof, ever have it. Uh, my daughter was like, well, what if dad lets me? I'm like, well, you're there four days a month. Enjoy that. And right now, he's not letting them do it either. I love the four days a month. Boy, this was a bitter divorce. <laughs> I got to tell you, I've changed my opinion about this because in the morning meeting today, I said, good on Kelly Clarkson. But the more I thought about it and the more everybody in the room started talking about it, good luck enforcing that. That the more you say you can't do it, the more these kids are going to want to do it. That they're going to they're gonna yeah. look at it yeah. when they're with their friends. Right. right. Um, it's kind of hard to cut them off from it. Rather than just banning it, isn't the, what am I saying? I'm, I don't know anything about parenting. But I was going to say, rather than just saying you can't have it. You can't control you can, your dog. You can explain to them why you feel it is harmful to them and then hope that they're going to make the, the best decision possible when you're not around. Part of me thinks that Kelly's doing this because she knows that Brandon lets them use it. And so is she like sticking it to him? Because like Harvey said, this was a very bitter divorce. But she said at the end of that quote, though, she said, He's not letting them use it right now. She still took a shot. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know. I could see her changing her tune. The thing is, if she doesn't change her tune, these kids are going to jump on social media no matter what. Maybe more so. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I've, I bought it's what they- It becomes the forbidden fruit thing. That's right. Right. Hi, I'm Natty. I had the exact same reaction, which was, good luck. I mean, I'm 46 years old. I can't keep myself off social media. And I literally make a living off social media. And it's like, you're trying to do that with a parent who's not on board. Dude, you are a young Geraldo Rivera. My God, you look, you're a doppelganger. <laughs> okay, what else do you guys want to talk about? This is Donnie, ATV Parmalee from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, just commenting on the Golden Globes. I know they tried to do the Taylor Swift shenanigans a little bit, but uh, besides that, it seemed like uh, everybody had a fun. And it seemed like everything went well uh, last night, so it went my opinion. smoothly as far as nobody was like pissed nobody, off. Nobody, nobody got, pissed nobody got slapped. Nobody got slapped. Nobody got slapped. Nobody was pissed about a snub, but there's definitely something going on between Selena and. Kylie and Timothy Chalamet. For sure. One more. <laughs> Sean Willis from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I manage a car dealership, so I get a lot of complaints about people with Gen Z in the workplace. But I think there's a big difference between this generation and the previous ones. The generation before us put a lot of priority and kind of killing yourself for the company and giving it all, where Gen Z is a, you know, kind of a cost benefit. What am I getting out of it? What is it worth to me? I disagree with her irritation for it. I'm kind of one of those people on the fence. I believe in a strong work ethic, but I also believe in mutually beneficial relationships. Sean Mendez had a fun weekend doing some sledding. I think every now and then it's good to get in touch with your inner child, but wear a shirt when you do it. <laughs> he posted these uh, videos and photos getting in some winter fun. I don't know why he doesn't have a shirt on other why, than- What do you mean you don't know why? You this know why. Insane. Yeah. It's definitely gonna get more attention and here we are talking about it. I, and look, I mean, he's in great shape. And you know what? Listen, women do this all the time. I mean, they they do it in March usually where they- Spring skiing? Spring skiing. This is a little colder. He is Canadian, so, you know. I if he's think, here in California, he's like, this isn't winter. I don't think- I'll show you People winter. from Montreal are populating the slopes without shirts. I just don't think if they're so. in California, they are. They're like, this isn't winter. I, but I worked out today outside, but you're soft it, California. I am soft California. You're soft California. <laughs> okay, we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>